0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: In 2014, fewer than 2,000 vicious jihadis, calling themselves soldiers of the Islamic state, charged out of Syria into northern and western Iraq. The Iraqi army, abandoned by the Obama administration in 2011, collapsed and fled before the black-clad invaders. Within days, the ISIS army seized Mosul, the second largest city in Mesopotamia terrorizing, murdering, and enslaving its 1.5 million citizens into the hell of the Islamic State. I'm Oliver North, and in this War Stories podcast, you'll accompany our award-winning documentary team as we travel to the front lines of the fight against a barbaric and sometimes suicidal enemy. Over a two-year period, we embedded with the Peshmerga fierce Kurdish warriors as they fought almost alone against radical Islamist terror. Listen as we accompany them in gunfights against ISIS butchers who delight in murder, rape, and pillage. You'll also hear from remarkably courageous Americans who brave enemy fire to save the lives of innocent civilians fleeing the ISIS carnage. If you're not moved by their eyewitness accounts of Christian compassion in the midst of life-threatening chaos, your heart may have stopped. Seek immediate medical help. Come with us from the trenches of what the Kurds call the border of Kurdistan to Erbil, the modern city that would be their capital, to refugee camps they've erected for the millions driven from their homes by ISIS. Listen carefully to the horrific stories of those who fled ISIS terror and those who fought back and hear their hopes for a better future from the Trump administration. And when this podcast is over, ask yourself, as I have. Do the Kurdish people, the largest ethnic population on earth without a homeland, deserve to have a country called Kurdistan? We report. You decide. If you're hiring, you know that quality hires keep your business moving forward. But you also know it can take a lot of time to find the right candidate for the right job. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job on over a 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click, so you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then, ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash strive. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash strive. One more time, get it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash strive. On War Stories, urban warfare rages against ISIS in Mosul, Iraq.
0: We can't just look through a soda straw at the ISIS fight and say, how's the fight in Mosul going?
1: A city held hostage. I don't like
2: the world to forget this, what was happening with us. The fierce Peshmerga battle
3: ISIS in the trenches. We have been the most effective force on the ground to stop them. Will the new Trump administration see a unified Iraq? This is an administration that is facing
1: four active wars. That's coming up on War Stories. In 2014, an ISIS army stormed across the Syrian border and captured Mosul, the second-largest city in Mesopotamia. Now, the jihadis' brutal reign of terror is finally headed for extinction. I'm Oliver North, and this is War Stories. Well before the fight to liberate Mosul began in mid-October 2016, military experts warned this could be a very bloody affair. Well, It's certainly been that and a whole lot more. Now, our War Stories team is once again on the front lines of what may well be the last major battle against ISIS in Iraq. Looking at these images of Mosul before and after ISIS, it's easy to forget the promise this city once represented to a free Iraq, including Arab Muslims, both Sunni and Shia, Kurds, Christians, and Yazidis. It's being described as the most complex military operation since Saddam Hussein was toppled in 2003 by a US-led coalition. This time, Iraqi special forces are leading the fight now centered on control of Mosul, once a vibrant city of more than 1.5 million people in northwest Iraq. An estimated 5,000 Iraqi military and police are now engaged in bloody house-to-house fighting against suicidal ISIS jihadis. This is urban warfare and close-quarter combat among hundreds of thousands of hostage civilians being used as human shields.
0: ISIS has upped its game with uh, vehicle-borne IEDs and other technologies that have uh, brought brutal casualties to them, but they, they are fighting hard right now as we speak.
1: Congresswoman Martha McSally served 26 years in the U.S. Air Force, retiring as a colonel. With six deployments to the Middle East, including Iraq and Afghanistan, she holds the distinction of being the first female attack pilot to fly in combat and the first to command an A-10 squadron. McSally currently serves on the Armed Services and Homeland Security Committees. I sat down with her in our nation's capital.
0: we got to cut them off where they are right now in order to put them on their heels and shift the momentum.
1: This captured footage shows how ISIS uses drones to direct jihadi suicide truck drivers to their targets, with devastating effect. That's not something that's easily done. It requires a certain degree of sophistication, technical expertise, communications. Shouldn't we have those kinds of capabilities that make sure that he can't communicate with a truck driver?
0: Absolutely. There is some level of sophistication uh, that they are using in order to do a targeting cycle uh, to be able to identify, find, fix, and finish, we call it, uh, then communicate. We do have capabilities in order to take out their command and control and their targeting capability. Why should we be using them now? That's a great question.
1: There were 10,000 American troops in Iraq until December 2011. Boom, they're all gone. The problem is that
4: the Obama administration was committed to a timeline. He wanted to leave before the first day
1: of 2012, and we did. And once we did, there was a tsunami. Professor Walid Faris is a world-renowned expert on jihadi terror. Dr. Faris is also co-secretary general of the Transatlantic Parliamentary Group on Counterterrorism, the author of numerous books, and our Middle East anti-terrorism analyst for Fox News.
4: Everything we've done in Iraq, collapsed because of the
1: way we left iraq when i was out there last year and again this year looking at the situation on the ground i was told by a good number particularly kurds that it was fewer than two thousand isis fighters that actually seized mosul Is
5: that true
4: yes two thousand or so of uh... jihadists isis jihadists came like in a blitzkrieg like the invasion of france very fast very mobile
1: in that vacuum Describe what happens with the Iraqi army that we trained, essentially from 2008 to 2011, and we were continuing to advise and assist, and all of a sudden we're gone. What happened to that army? They
4: felt that if they would fall, if there are prisoners, taken prisoners by ISIS, they would be beheaded, they would be killed, and nobody in the city would give them a, a hideout or a place to go and hide. So they just started to run away.
1: In late June 2014, Mosul fell to ISIS, and hell on earth began for every man, woman, and child in the city. Their choice? Submit or be butchered. On Friday, July 4th, 2014, during Ramadan prayers at Mosul's Great Mosque, Abu Bakhtar al-Baghdadi, the shadowy leader of ISIS, appeared in a well-produced video and proclaimed himself to be Caliph of the Islamic State. Why did al-Baghdadi pick the Great Mosque in Mosul to deliver his caliphate speech. Mosul to them was to become the
4: actual real capital of the caliphate, now they called it Raqqa, but eventually they wanted a city very close to Baghdad.
0: They took over that territory, but still this administration stood by and did nothing. It wasn't until really August of 2014 they started reluctantly conducting military operations, but then it was these pinprick strikes. It was barely going after their field of forces, command and control, their ability to resource and finance their operation, and allowed them to continue to bring in foreign fighters, train individuals, take more territory, terrorize and kill individuals, and then export their terror to Europe and around the globe. Unfortunately, the
6: vacuum which ISIS uh, has utilized uh, or took advantage of is still there.
1: For Luke Feli, the fight to rid ISIS from Iraq is personal. Born in Baghdad, Faeli is the son of Kurdish and Shiite parents. Until the summer of 2016, he was Iraq's ambassador to the United States.
6: It's a new warfare which ISIS, Daesh, ISIL are trying to uh, project. We talk about an American led coalition, but there's no American leaders up there. If you say to me, can this war be conducted without the American, I will say certainly not.
1: We constantly hear about the US led 65 nation coalition. Well, I'll be darned if I see anybody out there leading from the United States. What's the truth of it?
0: We've got a cobbled together group of factions right now in Iraq, as you've seen. I mean, you've got the Kurds, you've got the Shia militias the Iraqi formal army. You've got embedded U.S. advisors. There's some U.K. and French uh, support going on from the air, plus the U.S. airstrikes and uh, intelligence surveillance reconnaissance. But there are
1: others who have a stake in the battle for Mosul, including Iran. While we were waiting to go through this checkpoint, a convoy showed up, this long convoy of what appear to be mostly commercial vehicles. In fact, this is one of the provisional military units, a Shiite militia headed by Iranians from the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and the Quds Force. We were all told before we went and since that there's no of the, none of these Shiite militias are actually engaged in this fight. Right. And yet there they were. There are people waiting to go into the fight in Mosul.
0: What role are the Iranians playing in all of this? They appear to be engaged at some level. And again, if there is the enemy of the enemy is my friend and we're all working together to defeat ISIS, okay, I kind of get that, but uh, what is the end state? I'm really concerned about this. Uh, We have Americans who were killed uh, by the influence of these militias that were backed by Iran, hundreds of them uh, possibly. In the military, you and I call that following, right? We call that weakness. We have to lead from the front.
1: The battle for Mosul is setting the stage for a whole new arrangement in this part of the world, and perhaps even a new country called Kurdistan. In war-torn Iraq, the idea of democratic governance is still a new concept.
6: We are not mature. We are a long way from it. You helped us to implant these seeds of democracy.
1: Saddam Hussein was overthrown in 2003 by a coalition of 49 nations. By the numbers, nearly 1.5 million U.S. troops served in Iraq. Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation New Dawn claimed the lives of nearly 4,500 Americans and left more than 32,000 wounded. In 2011,
6: the Obama administration pulled U.S. troops out. ISIS rushed in. The Iraqis are paying a great deal for them to be able to cleanse ourselves from ISIS.
1: The Kurds are the largest ethnic group on earth without a homeland. Predominantly Sunni, more than 35 million Kurds reside in Iraq, Turkey, Iran and Syria. Today in Iraq, they number about 4.5 million and have their own troops called the Peshmerga. They fight beside an Iraqi army which once subjected them to genocide under a brutal tyrant.
3: In fact, we as the Peshmergas, the Kurdish people, have been the most effective force on the ground to stop them, defeat them, and to break the myth of this organization.
0: They have really been holding and gaining the territory against ISIS. They've been marginalized by the central government uh, in Baghdad. Uh, Look, Iraq's future is complicated.
1: These images say it all about the Kurds. On April 9, 2003, U.S. Marines used an American tank to topple Saddam Hussein's statue in Baghdad. A day later, the Kurds used their bare hands to tear down another in Kirkuk.
0: Saddam Hussein used almost every weapon he had. In the late 1980s, he even unleashed chemical weapons against the Kurds at Halapsha and killed close to 5,000 of them.
1: Saddam Hussein slaughtered more than 180,000 Bodies are still being discovered, and the dead are remembered here at the Al-Anfal Monument. The Kurds have been left holding an empty bag of promises made by every single U.S. president, European, and Middle Eastern leader dating back more than a century. Masrur Barzani is the chancellor of the Kurdistan Regional Security Council and son of Kurdistan President Masoud Barzani. The American people need to know the enormous sacrifice that... The Kurdish people have made ever since ISIS came crashing across the border.
3: We have about 1,500 Peshmergas that have been killed and more than 10,000 that have been wounded. That's the total of 11,500 people. And as for civilians, you know that the atrocities are unbelievable. I mean, thousands of people were perished.
1: This is the military equipment Fox News found being used by the Peshmerga to fight ISIS in the spring of 2016. This is, this is an American Humvee.
6: They all this. Uh, and they of them. Uh, the other one, they took it from ISIS.
1: We gave this to the Iraqi army, and the Iraqi army, the cowards, fled, and ISIS captured it from them, and then you captured it from ISIS.
6: Yeah, the cowards left
1: since then, it's only gotten worse.
3: Because six Iraqi divisions abandoned their posts and left all their equipment. So, in a matter of weeks, ISIS became a full blown army. ISIS exploits gaps and rivalries in Iraqi
1: politics. I'm a
6: Kurd and a Shia. Where do you see this going? Forcing a status quo somewhat has not worked in Iraq for a number of reasons. A, we are a tribal society. B, Time is not an important factor in our calculation. We are not strategic thinkers in the sense of time.
1: largest refugee crisis since World War II. It's a crisis for the Europeans, it's a crisis for Turkey, Jordan, and certainly for the 1.3 million people that the Kurds are having to put up with all on on their own. No help.
4: No help. Kurdistan has 1.3 to 1.5 million people in a small area. This is crushing their economy.
1: While Prime Minister Haider al leads a fractured federal government in Baghdad, the Kurds sense another chance for their own nation, a dream that's been repeatedly denied going back to the ashes of World War I, when a secret agreement drawn up between Great Britain and France divvied up the Ottoman Empire. Now, is this a chance to draw up new borders?
3: Not a Frenchman and a Brit drawing maps in Versailles. Well, and, you know, the Saxe-Pico agreement unfortunately shaped Uh, the uh, the current Middle East but just a reminder you know President Woodrow Wilson was the first American president or in fact the only president ever that called for the self-determination of the Kurdish people at that time unfortunately it was never realized just a few days ago uh, your father drew a map which we have
1: here Mm -hmm. is this a map of of a of terrain that could be the
3: start for a Kurdish homeland These are the trenches that were dug by the Peshmergas and the burns that were built to uh, provide additional security to stand against ISIS. This is not a political line, but we do believe that in principle, both Baghdad and Erbil should come to some terms and agreements about the future of their relations.
1: Go inside Mosul to see how ISIS targets those who are trying to help a city held hostage. We're feeding people, ISIS
7: attacked us.
1: As Iraqi forces engage ISIS fighters in close combat on the streets of Mosul, a million people are still trapped in the city. Driving on the outskirts of town, we see signs of explosive devices planted by ISIS just waiting to kill. These red flags alongside this road are an indication of what the big challenge is here. They'll say this area has been secured, meaning there are no ISIS troops left in it, but it's not cleared. Secured but not cleared means there are tens of thousands of these improvised explosive devices, some of which have been found and marked. But many more have yet to be found.
3: The people that are cleaning these mines and IEDs are not well protected. The majority of the engineering teams working with the Peshmergas are going out there without any protection. And and many of them have lost their lives because a single mistake is enough to kill you.
1: ISIS has hidden these deadly IEDs everywhere, even in children's toys. Both U.S. and Iraqi leaders have called their tactics despicable.
7: They poison the air that uh, Iraqi children breathe. Uh, They've uh, lit a bunch of oil fires that also poison the air. They've used vehicle-borne improvised explosive devices and detonated them in
5: civilian areas.
1: When the Iraqi-led offensive to retake Mosul began in October 2016, the government urged residents to remain in the city. But over 90,000 fled their hell and earth under ISIS. Aid reaches some of them from non-governmental organizations, or NGOs. (laughs) The thousands of refugees who are coming from Mosul fleeing ISIS to cross this berm into Kurdistan aren't getting help from Baghdad. Everything, the food, the water, even the support for these soldiers out here protecting them is all coming from the regional government in Kurdistan or NGOs like the Free Kurdish Rangers and Samaritan's Purse. All right, so there's
5: 500 sets of food and water. Each box here has meals for 10 people or one family. A big family Meet Dave
1: work. Eubank. He's one of the American relief workers risking his life to help the refugees. He's a former U.S. Army Special Forces and Ranger Officer. And he and his group, the Free Burma Rangers, deliver aid and medical care to oppressed ethnic minorities in hot zones like Burma, Sudan, and now Mosul.
5: Right now, sir, we're on the new border, the new de facto border of Kurdistan and Iraq and the Kurds fought for this, and they put this line up as they're fighting ISIS on both sides. And this line, from here, they went back and cleared all these villages, Faisaliyah, Omar Kamshi, all the small towns in between, and finally Bashika. And then, once they had that secure, displaced people started fleeing to them here. And so this is the place that they come, we can bring them food and water, and they get vetted here and searched, and their sheep get fed, and then they get moved to refugee camps
1: there. How many ISIS suicidal jihadis are inside Mosul?
5: I'd say over 5,000.
1: Humanitarian workers here are constantly threatened with attack. Shortly after our interview, ISIS militants opened fire on Dave and his team as they were handing out food in East Mosul. Gunshots sent terrified civilians running for cover.
5: We're feeding people. ISIS attacked us. The Iraqi army counterattacked. And they're still ISIS somewhere out there. And now we're back to our work close. ISIS is still there, but push back a little. And we'll keep, we didn't lose anybody. We'll keep feeding people.
1: The work being done by NGOs is even more crucial as winter sets in. Temperatures are dropping, and conditions are going increasingly dire. There's a shortage of fuel and food in the city. As many as 650,000 people are left without water after major pipelines were destroyed in the fighting. Tens of thousands are seeking refuge in camps like this one, where there's food, shelter, and medical care. But the harsh reality is that some jihadis may be hiding among the refugees. (laughs) Even in this hell, there are small moments of joy when some families are reunited with loved
6: ones. This is my family. These are my people. I cannot describe the feeling. Even my voice fails me. I've lost my voice.
5: I
0: have talked to people who, um, I mean, elderly men and seeing their grandchildren for the first time or not being able to recognize children because they've grown so
1: much. Up next on War Stories... A gunfight along the burn. war-torn town of Bartella, just east of Mosul. We met up with Lieutenant Colonel Ed Mathiades. He and his men from the Army's 101st Airborne Division are serving as advisors to the Iraqi Army. The town was recently liberated from the claws of ISIS
7: by coalition forces. What's the assignment for your battalion and this brigade? So we're partnered with the Iraqi Counterterrorism Service on an advise and assist mission. Uh, So two parts of that, the advising part, uh, much like it sounds, we're providing our best military advice to our partners on uh, how they can kind of optimize their plan. Uh, we're giving advice on integration of coalition and intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance.
1: Get him out! Get him
6: out!
7: One of the things that we've noticed here is that there's a distinct lack
1: of medical support for them. We got a couple of their ambulances over there. Yesterday, we watched them racing back from the front with wound, terribly wounded guys. Two American NGOs providing medical support they had none of their own. Is that something that we ought to be doing?
7: So there is a uh, there is a Iraqi and coalition combined uh, casualty collection point right here in Bartella. Uh, so it is a place where they do evacuate their, their casualties to where they're seen by both Iraqi and coalition uh, medics.
1: The two American medics in action in Bartella are Pete Reed from New Jersey and Californian Derek Coleman. So, the casualty that just left here, yep. how long is it going to take for him to get to a real hospital?
7: It'll be 40 minutes to the next civilian casualty collection point. From there, it's about a 45 minute drive.
1: And what were this guy's injuries?
7: Uh, fragmentation from a mortar that landed just outside his door. Uh, small bit frag in his chest, a little bit in his throat. His legs are pretty torn up. Both legs are broken. Huh. Arterial bleeds on the left, venous on the right.
1: So, what did you do to him? Uh, Tourniquet,
7: uh, the the arterial bleed, uh, packed out the wounds as best we could without damaging the legs too much, Uh, splinted him to uh, transport him, put a chest seal on his chest to kind of prevent that from getting worse.
1: Although they both have some medical training, neither Reed nor Coleman are doctors, but one thing is obvious, they're extremely
7: dedicated. I came here as a foreign volunteer and, and realized quickly that even some basic medical knowledge goes a long way. I uh, teamed up with Pete here, who's an EMT, and um, we're in an NGO. We've been treating patients on the front line ever since. Uh, we're par- part of a very small Slovakian NGO, and we we, we make very modest salary. It's enough to just kind of keep us here and comfortable. Sure. Uh, luckily, we spend most of our time on the front line, so we're not spending a lot of money.
1: In the Iraqi Special Forces, there's no evidence of medical support for these guys that are being wounded out in the fight for Mosul. It's being done by NGOs. It's being done by young Volunteers. I I find it to be stunning that we've been training at least some Iraqi military people now for the better part of two years and they don't have a medical capability. How can that be?
0: Well, these are great questions. I think the new administration is going to come in and take a fresh look. They should. Uh, There's only one commander-in-chief, and we expect the executive branch to come up with a new and a fresh strategy for the region, and then specifically for this fight.
1: How many total have you, since this
7: kicked off? How many total? Uh, In the past month. Over
8: 300.
7: Over 300? Yeah. 30, 35-ish this morning. And
1: mixed between civilian and military?
7: yeah. Um, Probably 40% of our patients are uh, civilians Mm -hmm. Today, 80% Yeah, it goes up and down We've had today with him 23 wounded civilians and 4 dead Uh, That was before noon Bad morning Yeah, Yeah. a lot of children too It's It's been a bad week for civilians, especially children
1: In the summer of 2014, ISIS went on a rampage across the Nineveh Plain all the way to Mosul, destroying schools, homes, stores,
6: churches, and other religious sites. We have lost a tremendous amount of heritage, a tremendous amount of damage, some irreversible. Once you go to Mosul, which is a clear cosmopolitan, you could see the Azizis, who, who worship a different god to the Muslims, to the Christians, to the Jews in that region historically as well, by the way. My view of this is Iraq is what you might call a global national park, which needs to be preserved for humanity's sake, more than just Iraqis' sake.
1: One of the towns that was ransacked was the Christian town of Bartella, home of the St. George Church. Right behind us is a church. Here's
7: it's a church. Uh, Catholic, yes.
1: What's happened to that?
7: Uh, like you can see, I mean, it's been burned out, uh, been desecrated. It got reported up as an IED-making facility. Right uh, right so here. they took the church from its protected status and used that you know, as a place to store or construct IEDs. Uh, well over 20 uh, IEDs found in that facility. Uh, and then it's ransacked across the way.
1: As the battle for Mosul drags on, And ISIS continues the barbaric tactic of using civilians as human shields. The innocent have to make a grim choice. Be killed by ISIS or by those trying to liberate Mosul from ISIS control. A third and very risky option is to pack up what little they have and flee. And ISIS has been telling these
5: refugees that if they come to this berm, that the Kurds would kill them. Yes, sir. The Kurds would behead them. So when the first people came, sir, they were trembling. And and the Kurds had not hugged them. It was so awesome. And we said, get on your phones and tell your friends that no one's going to kill you. we got plenty of food and water and medicine. And they start coming, just like you saw. So they've
1: still got communications inside Mosul, yes, right over here. Yes, sir. We're, all, telling, we're less
5: than 10 miles away, sir.
1: And they're telling their family members, "Come on, be safe. Yes, sir. Since the fight to free Mosul, right over here, began in mid-October, thousands of refugees have fled to get away from the fighting. Not nearly as many as people expected, and that's because ISIS is holding them tight to use as human shields. Those that do make it end up here along this berm. And what you're seeing here is gathered are the refugees that have fled over the last 12 hours trying to find some kind of succor in the midst of no water, no food, and fleeing the torture of what was in Mosul. In this exclusive footage obtained by Fox News, ISIS fighters are caught infiltrating with refugees trying to flee.
5: They're
1: engaged by Peshmerga soldiers and police. As you see, it's literally trench warfare. As Peshmerga and police approach a downed ISIS fighter in the trench suddenly another one, lying in wait, blows himself up. It's an all-too-common ISIS tactic.
9: Need
5: water? Water? ISIS fights for every inch of ground and kills anyone they can as the Persemerga try to defeat them and are defeating them. They've completely defeated every ISIS element here. You need food? We have. Yeah. People are running away from Mosul and running away from ISIS. And so when they come here, we try to give them any kind of help we can. That's food, medicine, water, anything, and pray.
1: Coming up, you'll hear the harrowing story of a brave woman who survived the clutches of ISIS.
8: What really concerned me is women and children, the civilians, and the minorities. Since 2014, the wars in
1: Iraq and Syria
8: have displaced an estimated 8
1: million people. As thousands continue to flee out of Mosul and other ISIS-controlled areas, this man, Reverend Majed Al-Shafi, has made his life's mission
8: to save any religious minorities targeted by ISIS. If you are Christians or Yazidis or Baha'is or whatever minority you are in the Middle East there will not be place for you in this war. Reverend Al Shafi
1: was born in Egypt and converted from Islam to Christianity when he was 18. At some point in that process, you were threatened for having become a Christian. Where, where, how old were you and and when did that happen?
8: I was 20 years old. Uh, In August 15, 1998, I was arrested by the Egyptian authority I was tortured for seven days from hanging me upside down, um, burning me with cigarettes, um, <clears throat> putting salt and uh, salt and lemon in my open wounds. Uh, they crucified me for three days. It was um, it was really hell on earth.
1: When did you form your organization to help go rescue Christians?
8: I started One Free World International. 12 years ago, we have branches in 28 different countries. So from Pakistan to Afghanistan to Iraq to Syria, Egypt, Africa, Asia, China, and, and beyond. Seized by ISIS,
1: thousands of Yazidi women and girls have been sold as sex slaves or awarded as, quote, wives to ISIS fighters. Thousands are still being held captive in Mosul. You you have set about and you've succeeded in rescuing a number of those women. Describe without creating a vulnerability for the process.
8: How you go about finding them and getting them out? Through the relationship that we have with the Kurdish tribes, we was able to rescue between 300 to 400 girls. These girls have a different price, depend on her beauty, depend on her age, depend on she is virgin or not. So the price can go from 4,000 American dollars to 2,000 American dollars. We was able to locate four markets where they sell these girls uh, and most most of them in Mosul and some of them in Syria and uh, we was able to found or to make an agreement in an order to exchange goods in a, to save these girls this operation bankrupted our organization bankrupted even my me myself but I will tell you something I will sell my suit my furniture everything I own to get these girls out and I have no regrets about it. They took
1: us directly from Shingal to Mosul. Reverend El Shafi sat down with 24-year-old Halida, a Yazidi who for 16 months was held captive, sold numerous times to different men and tortured by ISIS. This emir of Daesh, uh, they tightened me in in the,
2: in the a room and uh, further fa- four ISIS fighters, they came and raped me.
9: More, more than one fighter? Five. came, Five. Five? Five. I could, I could
2: remember that um, three, the first three, what they did with me, but after there I was falling down. I didn't know. What she yeah, yeah.
1: Halida made numerous attempts to escape by seeking refuge with Muslim families. But each time, she was dragged back to her captors.
2: I escaped from him once,
9: uh,
2: and went to a Muslim family in the neighborhood. Uh, but they didn't protect me. They gave me uh, again to Daesh.
9: I cried tried
2: for my sake. Please protect me. I'm killed, I'm raped, I have everything. But they didn't protect me and they gave it me back.
9: Um,
2: after this, uh, Abu Khattab brought two uh, of his friends, all three raped me at the same time as a punishment
8: almost everyone we interviewed they want their face covered not to show their face what's make you choose to show your face because what was happened
9: to me,
2: because what was happened to me is not uh, easy. I, uh, I don't like to the, the, the world forget this what was happened with us therefore uh, I want that the, my voice will come.
9: We, we will not forget, as long as we live.
2: We will not forget. This.
9: I don't, don't
2: like to head in this. Uh, what was happening with us? I want that. Uh, that I would like to. Uh, the whole world would know about this.
1: What will the new administration face from ISIS and radical Islam in the Middle East? This is an administration that
4: is hitting the ground in 2017, facing four active wars. The Bush administration, the Obama administration, didn't have that reality.
1: As the battle for Mosul rages on and Iraqi security forces continue their push against ISIS, many are predicting the city will be retaken. It's just a matter of when. How much longer can this fight for Mosul go on?
6: I think mentally the Iraqis' view is beyond Mosul. They can imagine and picture that they will defeat ISIS. I'm more concerned about the theme of Daesh or ISIS, which is about intolerance, which is about... Destruction.
0: We can't just look through a soda straw at the ISIS fight and say, how's the fight in Mosul going? We got to look back and see what are the impacts going on in the region, the spoilers and the players that are there, what are their interests? And they're going to be in the fight all the way across Syria, it looks like. What is the answer? It's not just about... ISIS and defeating them in certain towns. It's about taking a step back and seeing what our role is as America in the world. And we're failing to lead. We're failing to show resolve. We're failing to stand up to totalitarian regimes, to take on terrorism. When
1: Donald J. Trump assumes the office as the 45th president of the United States, he and his administration will inherit the war against ISIS and a splintered Middle East. Is this a time for more active intervention? My advice for the,
4: this administration, basically, is going to be that you can't escape reality. I mean, this is an administration that is hitting the ground in 2017, facing four active wars. There is Libya. There is Syria. There is Iraq. There is Yemen. The Bush administration, the Obama administration, didn't have that reality. ISIS is a huge, big ideological force, and it is an international
1: force. After Mosul is liberated, what does the future of Iraq look like, especially for the Kurds? We ask Fawud Hussein, the chief of staff to Kurdish President Masoud Barzani.
4: Once ISIS has been defeated, that doesn't mean they are not coming back. We believe in the right of self-determination of our people. After liberation of Mosul, we will enter a serious negotiation with the Iraqi government. We want to reach our right through negotiation, a process of negotiation and peaceful means.
1: And what does Iran's involvement in the region mean? What happens if Tehran decides to more actively intervene than they already have inside of Iraq or even Syria? Well, that's
4: their plan. Uh, The Iranian regime uh, wants to win the wars in Iraq and in Syria, and, of course, consolidate Lebanon. I
9: mean,
4: just imagine the prospect of a regional Iranian power going from the Indian Ocean to the Mediterranean Sea with projecting the return of the nuclear weapon, because I think that the, the deal that we have now with them they're they're gaining time. They're gaining time and they're gaining billions of dollars.
0: They've just gotten a new infusion of cash because of the failed Iranian deal, so they continue to export terror through the region. That's not a good end state either. So I'm very concerned about uh, Iran being emboldened. One thing is clear.
1: Radical Islamic ideology spread by ISIS and other terror groups will continue to be a threat to the United States and the rest of the world. On the inside of
4: Mosul, Those who are fighting right now will fight till the end. They have chosen that path. Even if we kill their uh, supreme commander, Baghdadi, and others, you know what's going to happen. The next one will pop up. This is an ideology that is
8: creating a movement, not a movement creating an ideology. You can call them ISIS. You can call them Al-Qaeda. You can call them Haram. You can call them Shabab. You can call them is not the name of the organization. There is more than 30 terrorist organizations in Syria and Iraq. 30. It's not about their names. We're fighting an ideology, an idea.
1: There's more fighting ISIS in the battle for Mosul just ahead. operating base Falcon, a temporary home for elements of the 101st Airborne Division. There hasn't been a lot of great news coming out of this war in Iraq, not since ISIS came in in 2014. But here is the good news. There are still young Americans willing to put a uniform on and go into harm's way to serve as soldiers, sailors, army, guardsmen, and Marines. They're willing to do that to protect you and me from the likes of ISIS. That's good news. And that's why I say theirs is a war story that deserves to be told. For War Stories, I'm Oliver North. Good night.
5: From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
0: I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.